A big thank you to everyone tuning in and a warm welcome to the podcast on starting and scaling AI ventures where I would host AI leaders from across the globe in an attempt to bridge the large gap of what it means to be AI powered and how you can help your organization get there. The fifth edition of this podcast features Manish Singhal, an industry veteran with over 27 years of operating and advisory experience across sectors and a bachelor's degree in engineering from IIT Kanpur in 92. Manish is the founding partner of Pi Ventures, a leading early stage deep tech VC in India that has funded startups like Visa and Locus. As the founder of Let's Venture, Manish has also helped various startups get off the ground running and helped startups raise seed funds ranging from 50 lakhs to 5 crores, growing the investor base from 700 to 1800 in 12 months. Before Let's Venture, he was the India country manager for Sling Media Incorporated, which he took from scratch to acquisition, and being on the board of several startups, Manish was also rated one of the top angel investors in the country. Thank you so much Manish for taking the time out for this conversation. My pleasure. Wanted to understand from you on uh, if you could tell us about some interesting areas in deep tech that you're looking to invest in and what a typical work day for you looks like. Okay. Uh there are kind of two different questions so I let me yep. ask one by one. Just as a, a quick background, Pi Ventures. We are a deep tech fund. Uh, we invest in uh, AI companies as well as deep tech ventures. We've been around around four years. We've done around eleven investments. Uh, we do seed and pre-series A kind of investments, so get in early. Um, <clears throat> the way we have looked at uh, the various areas of interest, right, is actually in a way very bottom up for us. So. Uh, what our modus operandi has been is that to meet interesting entrepreneurs who are solving big problems in a unique, differentiated way, uh, preferably backed by uh, you know an innovation or a deep tech uh, solution, and then we go and then study the area. So uh, that has this approach. Uh, it may not be the conventional approaches uh, that typical venture firms follow, but. in the last 4 years we have been doing that and it has led to a, a you know a different kind of construction in our portfolio uh we have ended up doing four healthcare deals we have ended up doing uh, a bunch of enterprise deals and the last investment that we made was actually in a space rocket company which is doing a 3d printed rocket engines now uh, uh, of course the team has increased in size and we we've, we've we've kind of studied a little bit of spaces top down as well so i think to answer the question broadly we are interested in all areas of deep tech and ai uh, uh, be it enterprise be it healthcare uh, be it uh, robotics uh, uh, be it uh, or, uh, you know enterprise automation of different kinds uh, uh, you know uh, marketing automation etc etc on the ai side and then we call our thesis as a mixture of ai thesis and a deep tech thesis which is built on a beyond digital space so beyond digital space basically means innovations which are not built on digital fabric so these could be innovations in material science core engineering innovations and this is where we have backed a company called agnicool as i said which is a 3d printed rocket engines yeah so our area is actually uh, our areas of interest are very diverse we we look at all forms of deep tech and ai 
to answer your other question, how does my day look like? Uh, uh, well, uh, I'm kind of an early riser, so I sort of I'm typically at my office desk in home by 5, 5.30 a.m., sometimes 4, 4.30 a.m., depending upon uh, how much work I have. And then, uh, you know, I end up doing a couple of hours of work in the morning, maybe one to two hours of work, which I typically call the golden hour work. You know, no disturbance, no phone calls, uh, complete peace of mind. So, so I'm able to sort of get almost 10x value from that one or two hours of work that I do. Gets me ahead in the day. Uh, typically, my own work gets done in those couple of hours, and then I'm free for the day in some sense, um, apart from meetings, of course. Then I take a break, uh, do a bit of yoga, meditation, etc., for an hour, hour and a half, and then, uh, you know, uh, get back to work by 9 a.m. or so. And then the day typically looks like with meeting a lot of entrepreneurs, I typically meet, and now nowadays meet means on Zoom. Uh, three to four meetings are very far for the course every day. And then there are a bunch of internal meetings, uh, strategy meetings, discussing the, the investments that we have made with portfolio founders, board meetings, ecosystem meetings in terms of connections, networking. Uh, we are going to shortly start our second fund. So a lot of time these days is also a little bit of time, I would say is going towards that. Uh, hiring the team, building the team. So a whole bunch of things that we need to do we are also a startup so we have to manage all those uh, all those things that uh, an enterprise needs uh, to get going and uh, typically sign off by 7 p.m 6 p.m like that uh, depending upon the meetings again typically there are one or two calls in the evening and that's it uh, so that's how a day looks like um, um, yeah thank you so much for uh, deep diving on these two aspects and personally love the fact that you start your day that early. Uh, I wanted to double click on a particular thing that you mentioned since uh, you invest in everything deep tech of starters and uh, just on a comparison standpoint, the average round for an AI startup globally right in, in about 2010 was 4 million and that's tripled to 12 million in around 2017 and of course gone a little higher as, uh, as of current day. Uh, what do you believe have been the drivers behind this sharp increase in AI-driven venture funding? I think uh, we are not seeing that here I mean, in India. Maybe these are international numbers and I don't know which round numbers they are, right? Because there's, there's a seed round, there's a series A number, uh, round, there's a series B round. So do you have an idea of what that number is? These are all series A rounds. Series A rounds, okay. Yeah. Yeah, in India, we are not seeing that kind of increase. I think we are our AI companies. By the way, there is nothing called an AI company in my mind, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. These companies are solving some problem, and AI is a sort of a way to solve them. Uh, I don't. I I won't be able to comment on this. I think in our experience, around sizes of AI companies um, have been around similar in India. I would say, right? Uh, whatever companies are solving some problems. Uh, one of the things that could uh, uh, slightly different way of explaining this is what we have seen is, and in our thesis, we call companies doing two kinds of AI. One is companies, we call them as AI first companies. And the second type of companies, we call them as AI second companies. So AI's first companies are companies which are solving problems which can only be effectively solved by AI. So in our portfolio, 
we have quite a few of them Wiza, Niramai, Sigtipul, uh, Switch On, etc. These companies are solving problems which can only be effectively solved by AI. And when you do that, you create a very disruptive product out there. And when you create a disruptive product, typically you get that uh, valuation jump as well if you are able to hit a product market fit of some sort. Um, AI second companies are companies which uh, are solving a business problem, but with AI, you can solve it much better, right? So, uh, uh, and all of them also, some of them also cause a disruptive effect. In our portfolio, we have Locus, we have Customer Success Box, uh, uh, etc. Right. So, so overall, what I'm trying to say is uh, this has been our one of our thesis right from the beginning of the fund that if a startup is using AI to solve a problem in a meaningful way, then they will typically disrupt that space and end up doing much better than anything else around them. And that could be one of the reasons why you are seeing valuation jab because if you disrupt a category in a meaningful way, typically you will end up creating more value for yourself and in the ecosystem. I think uh, very glad you made the distinction between AI first and AI second, because I think uh, that again is a very important uh, one to make. I wanted to uh, again extend your answer to another question, which was since you focus primarily on deep tech, what are some areas in these deep tech startups that you particularly double click on? Is it say, the kind of application, the tech that they're using, if it's an AI first, or AI second, or is it just founder expertise or something of a sum of all of these? Yeah, there are multiple facets. In fact, I did a talk on this in our recent Pi Fellows, which is you can find on our uh, YouTube and on our blog. Yeah. Uh, which talks about evaluating technology in deep tech. Right? So yeah. it has some of those dimensions. Uh, broadly speaking, uh, deep tech is no different from an evaluation perspective, when it comes to startup investments, like any other investments, you have to go and look for what problem they are solving, whether the solution is uniquely differentiated, whether you have a team which can back uh, create, uh, capture that opportunity, whether you have a big enough market for that, right, uh, to be able to build a big company. So those things remain the same. What we additionally do in deep tech is we go and double click in your own words on the technology part of it. So we go deeper into technology and this is something we do very religiously. We break down the technology uh, in uh, several layers and we find what is the exact innovation, how they are different, how scalable it is, how effective is it, it is, etc. So we do uh, specifically what we call as a technology deep dive, which, uh, which is an additional thing that we do uh, to build confidence in the technology element of that company but it is not done in, in outside of a context. It is done in a context of whether it can create a 10x differentiator on the business value. Uh, so apart from the general things, uh, we, in short, we go deep dive into technology and also look at the effect of that technology in creating a 10x differentiated business value. And uh, very glad that you mentioned uh, the deep dive as well, because I wanted to ask you, because this was something that recently was making waves in 2019 because an MMC Ventures report came up that said 40% of AI startups in Europe don't really use AI. Mm. So it's, is there something, do you think this is something to be bothered about or is it just a definition mismatch in terms of what we call AI or something of that sort? 
nothing to be bothered about right so people are trying to uh, so ai is a very broad term and people do different ways and different parts of that and that is okay uh, i think what is important for us uh, as a fund is we really really evaluate the technology and get comfortable with a really differentiated uh, 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 you know uh, ways of using and in that of course we are certain whether how much of ai is getting used and what kind of ai is getting used so at least for us uh, you know the bar is pretty strong on using um, you know you need to be deep in ai to be able to uh, if you're an ai company or using any company using an ai uh, technology uh, to work with us uh, yeah and an ecosystem level i i do see what you're saying lot of companies mention ai uh but when you open the bonnet there is nothing in it or very little in it yeah. is that a area of concern maybe yes maybe not but it's also a matter of evolution uh that's okay i think uh, they will find their way uh, eventually to ai if that uh, if that is meaningful for their business but for us we it is almost uh, uh, it, it is it, it is very important you have that and you have that with depth and we our technology deep dives actually discover that what kind of depth we have you have um i think very glad and love the fact that you mentioned evolution as one of the parameters because uh, i wanted uh, that to lead to my next question which was when all of these startups are coming up right like right off the ground data usually takes center stage in terms of how i can evolve my initiatives or my ventures or my ai under the hood as well so uh, if you're evaluating say a uh, early stage startup right what when they don't have much data but they are supposed to be very deep tech are your decision making parameters any different or around data acquisition or something of that sort so i think the evaluation of the ai piece actually is not just about the algorithm but it's also about the data strategy so we do look at uh, you know how the data will be acquired sometimes is a natural outcome of a process that the business is doing sometimes you have to generate your own data sometimes you have to buy data whatever it is we do look at how the company has a unique advantage uh, in getting that data uh, second thing we look at is uh, you know what is the lifetime of that data what is the cost of that data uh how how clean that data is how will it be able to use uh, how will it be used by the algorithms to generate insight so we look at all these uh, things and it is uh, just to tell you uh, we don't take a checklist sort of a approach to this yeah yeah all about yes no yes no right it's about looking at the entire technology in a holistic way with multiple layers and then then coming up with an assessment uh whether uh, that technology is uh, is deep and is differentiated i think uh, that that really helps a lot of things and and puts them into perspective and of course uh, again on your uh, under the hood kind of a deep tech evaluation i wanted to understand if uh, say for example you did quote uh, ai evolution as something that also you know causes certain mismatches in terms of what we call ai and what it's evolved into and so on and so forth uh, how does the vc space in particular remain current owing to the pace at which the ai industry is growing right because a lot of venture capitalists have been technologists but 
AI, the speed at which AI is evolving from 2010 to 2019, we've seen so many new definitions. Uh, is there a particular way the VC space remains current? Well, I can't speak for others. Uh, yep. Myself, how I, it helps me uh, stay in touch uh, is probably two, three things. One is you have to do your own reading, uh, which is very important. But I, I don't actually, funnily enough, I don't learn too much uh, by reading uh, for some reason. Uh, uh, you know, um, my main source of learning is actually interacting with entrepreneurs. Uh, when I'm meeting probably eight to 10 companies in a week, sometimes a lot more, each of those people are doing something in the space and listening to them, interacting with them, uh, you know, it stretches my own knowledge curves. And then if we have to analyze them, we have to go deeper in it, right? Uh, and then interacting with our own portfolio founders who are well-known people in the AI world. Uh, so, so those two actually uh, funnily uh, form a large part of my learning and reading obviously supplements it, at least for me. I think that's, that's very... Uh interesting that you mentioned the positive feedback loop because it it's just a never-ending process of learning and i think uh, you seem to have gone a very interesting solution to it as well uh, i wanted to move again to an outro standpoint where i wanted to understand from you on uh, how important it would be to look at an ai domain fitment because uh, just as an example i think where i was at infido before this i think we were doing ai and hr and a lot of different domains, right? You've invested in deep tech, in AI, in mental health, AI in say medical and deep tech uh, in, in a lot of different domains. Are there some domains that are necessarily ready to adopt or deploy AI or there are some more fluid than the other or is it even important to look at an AI domain fitment? Um, I am not a believer of that, I think. To me, uh, first of all, AI is a means to solve a problem. Yeah. So I think the question that needs to be asked is, are you solving a problem in that domain, which is hurting the people in that domain in a differentiated way so that they can adopt that prop, uh, prop solution, right? So to give an example, when Niramai launched their early stage breast cancer screening, they're probably the only company in the world which can detect breast cancer that early using thermal images and AI, right? And if you look at that whole space, early stage breast cancer screening is a void. No, no technology today addresses that, right? So now you come up, Niramai came up with a solution which can do that and do that very effectively using AI, right? And then that space gets disrupted, right? Yeah. So to me, it is not about AI and domain fitment, it is about what is a critical problem in that domain which can be solved using AI, right? In a very differentiated way. If that fitment is there, then the adoption also happens. Right, yeah. So would that necessarily sometimes also, and just to follow on, uh, cause the first mover to be in some sort of a disadvantage where they're struggling for adoption in some shape? Yeah, you could say that actually, sometimes we have seen that uh, what we call as a new product in a new market situation, yeah. uh, you have to spend some energies and money into uh, educating the market as an evangelizer. 
so uh, you could end up in a situation where you move first and you uh, you do all the hard work and someone in your wake um, can come in and uh, uh, do better than you uh, those things can happen uh, we haven't seen that yet in our portfolio so uh, so much though but theoretically what you are saying can happen though right yeah that makes sense and uh, of course just wanted to uh, close off with a question that we uh, sometimes faced a lot in in the space where we were raising money ourselves uh, if we compare say a narrow ai venture versus a general ai venture right so uh, what i mean is say task based ai which is get this job done get that job done kind of ai versus a more general intelligence is there a particular type that is more say venturable than the other and um, my context to the question is to uh, your investments in visa versus your investments in sigtuple because sigtuple i would believe is more task based and visa is a social chatbot so there's no real end goal for the user to accomplish while talking to them so is there something that's more venturable than the other okay um i think we have to understand sigtuple and visa first and then i'll probably answer the other I don't know whether the task based is the right way to define it. I think uh, what you're probably trying to say is that if, if a AI is solving a particularly defined problem in a narrow way, right? that's called narrow AI, and that is uh, that is true. Uh, in Sigtuple's case, is a it's a defined problem that you have to uh, uh, sort of get the blood count uh, um, done from a blood slide, right? So that way, it make, does make a narrow AI, and most of the narrow AI solutions. Uh, because they end up launching those solutions in an effective way, uh, sort of are closer to making a business than a general AI solutions. In a general AI solutions, technology is not yet there to actually completely solve it. Visa is a mental health chatbot. It's not a social chatbot, and it has a goal. It, uh, so the when the people who talk to the Visa bot have something on their mind that they need to talk about, and Visa's uh, AI. is specifically trained for mental health conversations to help guide the person in the right way so it is somewhat broader it's a slightly broader problem um, than the sigtuple problem in some way uh, from a ai perspective being slightly more wider than the narrow part of it but it is still not uh, uh, agi as they call it i think that is uh, quite some time away Uh, and uh, it, it is about different uh, different uh, widths of narrowness if you would right so but we are still in the narrow ai largely yeah that makes sense and uh, just just to clarify i think uh, on visa what i meant was technologically the social chatbot not uh, necessarily on a particularly social conversation one but i yeah. think uh, it it makes sense to uh, think so that's yeah. where we got to peel the layer so the chat part of it is just the front layer right yeah yeah if you go deeper in it you will know that every uh, so the person can ask anything right but visa has to respond keeping two three goals in mind one is the response should make sense the second is the response should be safe because you are talking to people who are mentally uh, going through a mentally hard time right uh, and the third is that it has to help the person in some way right so once you put that constraint in 
then that uh, uh, the the language uh, that that then that technically that problem becomes very complex to achieve in a right. real with a free text input, right? So it is very different than a open-ended chatbot. It is actually a very uh, focused and a controlled chatbot, uh, which is uh, uh, trained in mental health conversations. Right. I think that's it's very glad that you put it out there as well because I think. Uh, my understanding was a little misplaced on that one. Uh, but again, uh, I think just wanted to thank you. That was one of the last of my questions and just wanted to thank you for being a part of this conversation. Sure, my pleasure. I hope this was helpful and enjoyable for everyone who tuned in. And please keep watching this space for more. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of Starting and Scaling AI Ventures. Goodbye.